This episode is supported by The Abstract and Maori Audio. All right, let's drop the needle. I think it takes a little longer for me to decide, okay, I'm going to do my level for this person. I'm going to do whatever she needs. Life beyond work feel disconnected? Press pause and listen in. Talk human to me. A show for entrepreneurs with nothing about entrepreneurship. Founders take a break and reconnect with personal stuff that matters to them. I'm today's host, Jeff Shao. In this episode, I talk with Ali Goldberg, creator, performer, and co-founder of Gold Jam Creative. But what she does only makes up part of who she is. Instead, we talked about stuff like being weird, negativity wormholes, wanting more, and whether she has to change expectations with relationships in her life. So grab a seat and kick back as our guest reconnects with parts of their identity that got left in the dark and rediscovers the foundation of who they are. We start each episode the same way. What about humans strikes you the most? I think the thing that strikes me the most is that they're all completely insane. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very fascinated with humanity and the weird shit that people do. Like everybody is secretly into something super fucking weird. Their freak flags are flying. So any weird shit, you can observe humanity doing anything. And I like finding out what they love and observing. Like my friends joke, I moved to San Francisco and within two months they were like, you've already done all the weird ass shit that I didn't even know existed. Like I seek weird events where you can just observe humanity being humanity. Your family growing up, did they nurture this out of you? <laughs> or were you from a family where you were so repressed after you got out? You're like, I want to become anything that I can be, anything I want to be. I think neither. I think it's really kind of in the middle. Like maybe it's just that my family is like pretty normal. I come from East Coast Jewish stock, which is still very much where you're supposed to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, the end. And I haven't done those things. I don't think I ever really did those things. I was always just like a little odd. There is definitely a lot more monotony out here compared to New York in terms of the types of communities of people that you can befriend, that yeah. you can hang out with. I miss New York a lot. When my heart longs for home, I immediately picturing Manhattan. But New York also makes me sad. I talk about New York like a lost lover where I'm like, oh, you... You told me you were going to be one thing and then time passed and things changed and you said you'd change and you never did. You know what I mean? It's like, like, I think people are still moving in droves to New York for the allure of what it once was and not what it currently is. And so all the weirdos still move there in their early 20s and then they leave because it's turned into a city of finance and law and it actually kind of breaks my heart. Like there's still a ton of arts in New York, obviously, but like you got to go way the fuck out to Brooklyn for the experimental arts spaces. So it's still there and there's so many talented people there because it's New York. But New York also 
also makes me sad. And there was actually a New York Times article a few years ago, I remember, about how creative people are moving. There's like an exodus from New York to L.A. because New York is so expensive. And in L.A., there's space to experiment. You know, in the article, they were talking about how people lived in some shitty dark studio in Brooklyn. And now they've got like a two bedroom in a backyard in L.A. But like you cannot find that energy. You on the streets of New York, warm summer night, New York City, you just feel like you can fucking conquer the world like you could do anything and that kind of fire isn't here I think but I think one thing that's not good about New York is there's such a hustle and there's such a grind that you're like grinding going 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 and if things aren't exactly the way you want them to be then you just have to work harder and longer and blah 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 and you don't take time to self-reflect and California to an almost laughable overboard extent is very into self-care and reflecting and I make fun of it but there's something kind of nice about that and so I joke that my life in New York was a little bit becoming the definition of insanity where you do something over and over again and expect different results. And I was like, I need to shake this shit up and do something totally different. So I came out here and it, and it has, it actually has been great. Like a lot of the things that have happened in the past year, I never thought they would happen. I'd like our listeners to know more about one of our sponsors, The Abstract. Let me give the co-founder, Lala Openi, a quick call. That way we can hear from the human behind the company. Hey, Lala, this is Jeff. So I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What value does your company have that personally means a lot to you? With the abstract, our practice is essentially healing and dealing, sharing and caring. Um, This personally means a lot to me because it demystifies mental health work and reminds me that we're all living through the same human condition together. Like none of us lives in a bubble. And in my own journey to healing, it's been a give and take, ebb and flow, rest and recovery, coping and resiliency. Um, It's definitely hard work, but I've learned that sometimes the most profound work I can do is, is to keep things simple. Take some deep breaths, remember that I love and accept myself and my emotions as they are. There's enough organized chaos and disconnect that we deal with on a day-to-day. Healing and dealing and sharing and caring is not only important, it's revolutionary. From what I know you as a person, there's a lot of humor. There is a lot of levity in that I think you take yourself and your work seriously, but you can spin everything into a joke and you can also be okay and loving and embracing whatever is coming at you. You're very good at improving. I fooled him. (laughs) He thinks all these wonderful things about me. I feel like that has to, like, what are some core values that you developed whether it was in theater whether it was just like time you had alone as just a growing child i would say there were experiences that were very informative like i fell in love with musicals and theater i didn't start even thinking of myself as a comedian till literally i started getting press that referred to me that way and then i was like oh maybe that's what i'm doing but like i was just really into theater looking back however i was always cast as the comedic relief the comedic sidekick whatever it was like i never my whole life and i was doing shows show after show after show i was never cast as the pretty ingenue I was always the quirky sidekick like I was always that and like something I really really value that's been tough for me as an adult but as a kid I really really valued showing up for people like I don't know one of my one of my best friends was in and out of the hospital as a kid and like we had always been together New Year's Eve 
always. And so we were in high school and she had to be in the hospital on New Year's. And I was like, okay, this is what's happening. We are all getting dressed up like skanks because that's what we do every New Year's because in high school you do that. Now it's like I wear a bag and I call it a day. So anyway, and, and I said, so we're bringing skanky clothes for our friend who's in the hospital. And we're going to show up at the hospital and we're going to decorate her hospital room. And it, to me, it was obvious that this is what you do. This is what you do. The end of story. Like there was no doubt in my mind that that's how it should go. That anything else made no sense. It wouldn't have made sense not to decorate it. It wouldn't have made sense not to bring her skanky clothes because it was important for it to be a party, for it to be the same party we always had and for it to be funny. Like instead of Happy New Year, I think we hung a happy baptism sign just because we thought that would be weird. So something that I've struggled with a lot in my life is growing up and realizing that people are really flaky and that they don't value that at all. And that actually like people have like gotten mad at me for like not doing things the way they wanted when I'm like, but I was doing this because I loved you and I thought that I was stepping up for you. Like, I don't know, people, they just, they don't value that at all. And, and you know, people get in relationships and then they totally forget about their friends. And I, that's something that's been really hard for me, I think. Like something that I don't thank my parents for that I really should is like, they definitely taught me in a lot of ways to value hard work and independence and the value of a dollar. Thanks, mom and dad. I've never told them that. Maybe I'll send them this clip and they'll be like, oh my God, she actually likes us. So it sounds like you want to make sure the people around you, you can count on them because they can always count on you. Yeah, I mean, I think I've I've become a less good friend as I've gotten older, which I hate to say, but it's something I think about a lot just because I'm like, well, I could do what I usually do and go all out for these people and then like probably never have it reciprocated. Actually, I don't think I'm a worse friend. I think it takes a little longer for me to decide, okay, I'm going to do my level for this person. You know what I mean? Like I have a friend who lives two blocks away and like she's so fucking great. I'm going to do whatever she needs. Or like my roommate is so kind. I'm like, I can't wait till she needs something. <laughs> You know, but I definitely like I used to just like do that. I don't know. So, yeah. Where do you think the sense of almost like you're very service minded? Right? I wouldn't go that far. You're making me sound like a way better person than I am. Because like I have friends that are like really politically active and stuff. And I'm like, man, you're a good person. I'm going to go eat a burrito. I don't know. You know <laughs> what I mean? But like, I think it probably stems back from the theater thing, too. Like as a theater dork, as a kid, you're just really into human connection and interaction, which is something I never really thought about. Like, I think it probably comes from there, probably comes from a really selfish place. Like, I love the feeling of a great friendship. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of that. I don't think I'm actually service oriented. I think I'm an asshole. I'd like our listeners to know more about one of our sponsors, Mallory Audio. Let me give Mauricio Escamilla a quick call. That way, we can hear from the human behind the company. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mauricio. So, I wanted our listeners to get to know you and your company a bit better. What core value of Mallory Audio personally means a lot to you? Mauricio Audio is the culmination of my love for music, sound, and expressive production. Drawn to music and sound at a young age, I decided to focus on the science of it all, how to capture and truly make sound as emotive and powerful as it needs to be in order to fully move and impact the viewer and listener. A core value would be working with those whose voice needs to be amplified. I've had the pleasure of working with many independent artists, producers, and filmmakers to make their production as strong as it can be. Amplifying the voice of the voiceless, specifically marginalized people, is a big part of my work, and it brings me joy and fulfillment as a person of color from immigrant parents to be able to do that. 
when you're in middle and high school, like your life is surrounded by the same friends. That's what life is made up of as a child because your friends are people you meet at school and then you go to school every day and that is reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. And then in your late 20s, early 30s, everything fragments where everybody's coupled off. You don't necessarily see people without significant effort. So things change, you know, I mean, it's also just kind of the course of life. I'm get, I'm being such a downer. Did you guys know that usually I do comedy? Did you know that? <laughs> you told me to give you my real thoughts. So these are my real thoughts. No, this is this is dark alley. I oh, like it. God damn it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I do consider myself a very happy person. And working in comedy is weird because comedy has a reputation. Uh, and it's there's some truth to it that a lot of comedians are secretly depressed. That's a big thing. And I'm not. Like <laughs> I really like life. You know what yeah. I mean? I think it's a good time. But we focus on on the shitty things that fall through. It's the same reason why, like, the news is terrible, right? Like, it's not newsworthy if it's like, well, breaking news, Monday, everything, when is planned? You know what I mean? It's like, so I think there's an element of that where that's, it's the interruptions that strike you and that are newsworthy. But it depends, I guess, also for me personally, like, when you catch me. Like, last Valentine's Day, I know I was single as always. And two different friends surprised me with like wonderful shit for no reason. And I was like, this is lovely. You know what I mean? So I've had a lot of really, really wonderful experiences too. I think it's also easier to fall down the wormhole of negativity. Unfortunately, a wormhole of positivity doesn't really exist. We never fall into like, I'll remember this great thing and that great thing and then become obsessed with all the positive things. It's I don't know. It's like human nature, unfortunately. I wish there was a positivity wormhole. There's a lot of suggestions around how trying to achieve happiness is overrated, trying to avoid... Why is that overrated? Well, I think what they try to say is like, don't try to achieve happiness all the time. Try to be content all the time and... Oh, I think look content for is the worst thing you could ever do. Well, look for more moments of joy. So I think there is a difference between joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. Whereas happiness is like a constant state, whereas joy are these moments of joy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's I think... Interesting. I think being content is great if you're just oh, able no, to... Oh, no, being content is horrible. Really? Why? Yeah, yeah, I think when you're content, you're just not striving for shit. I also I also have a big problem with gratitude. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that. But it's a personal problem because like, I feel like my life in New York, I wanted so much more... And I thought, well, who am I? Like, I should just be so grateful that like I may, I may, I've made my own life. I make my money doing like my weird artsy things. Like I should just be grateful. But that feeling of I should just be grateful meant I wasn't changing shit up and going for more. And when I finally left New York and changed shit up, like so much more has happened. So it's a personal thing where I'm like, it's, it's my own actually like misinterpretation of gratitude, to be honest, you know, cause I get it. You're, you should feel grateful for what you have. But for me, it created a situation where, I just thought, oh, I should be grateful. I should be grateful as, as opposed to, no, I should fucking blow shit up. You know what I mean? I should blow it up and do crazy shit. Mm -hmm. But I like your distinction between happiness and joy. I think that's really interesting, right? Because happiness, we do think of it as like a long-term state as opposed to like, what is something that will bring me joy today? So what is a word that we can replace with being content or being grateful? I, I think it's like, how do you combine appreciation, contentment, gratitude with still believing that you deserve way more? at all times because like believing that you deserve more I think is sometimes seen as negative like why can't you just be happy with what you have but believing that you deserve more is what's gonna make you strive for more you know what I mean it's like celebrating what is in existence right now but right. it has nothing to do with like is it a good thing is it a or, or, no it's good you know what I mean so it's like you're acknowledging that you have these great things you're celebrating them but there's still room to want way more Talking with Allie, 
I'm curious if the thoughts and emotions in her commonly shows up in other founders. We often see people become deeply hurt in business relationships and personal relationships because reciprocation of commitment or energy doesn't meet expectations. This got me curious about the psychology and science behind that. So I called up visiting expert Vix Jensen, who holds a master's degree in psychology of education from the University College London. Her work primarily focuses on advocating for the inclusion of disabled people in feminist conversations and spaces. You can find more information about her at VixJensen.com. Vix leads conversations around inclusivity, representation, access, and developing a better, more nuanced understanding with one another. So she can definitely drop some knowledge on us. Hello? Hey, Vix. I have a question for you. We often see successful entrepreneurs go all out for people on their team. And we often see this passion cross over to relationships outside of work. In either dynamic, there's this subconscious hope that the same commitment will be reciprocated. So when it's not reciprocated, when there are misalignments or rifts in a relationship, why does it cut our emotions so deeply? What is it about the psychology of relationships that creates these complexities in different parts of our lives? I think there are a couple of important things to point out here. And the first and most general of those is that humans are inherently social and reciprocal creatures. And we rely on reciprocity to make judgments about ourselves and make judgments about other people. And so when we're not getting that, it can feel like something is missing. Also, the energy that you put into a relationship or a friendship or a work relationship, you kind of expect to get that equal energy out of the same person because if you don't, it can leave you questioning yourself, right? A lot of the ways in which you behave are reliant on the beliefs you have about a certain individual and a certain situation. So if you believe that someone has your best interests at heart, is equally into the topic as you are, then you're going to be inclined to put in that energy because you know you're going to get it reciprocated. If you're forever questioning whether or not that person has the equal energy, then your beliefs about that particular person that you're engaging in are going to be a little shaky, which is never good for productivity or success. So to me, those are the most important things. Understanding expectations and understanding when those have been compromised and also having that reciprocity on a human level that is required for a positive healthy human interaction. So I think to your question about why it rocks our life so much, it's because we rely on that togetherness and we rely on being in relationship to be able to be successful in what we're doing. Nothing is as successful alone as it is in relationship with people. And so when those relationships become a struggle, it can be really damaging. I hope our conversation helped listeners reconnect with personal stuff they care about. We end each episode with this question. Ultimately, what's the point of all of this? I think it's all about people. Like, I think that's like probably one of the through lines in my story is like, I'm very fascinated with humanity and all the things that they like to do. It's played into my work in theater and comedy 
I didn't plan anything I was going to tell you today, but then like thinking about the things I told you about, like being there for people or not being there for people, like I just think it all comes back to people and weather. Find the complete experience for this episode at talkhumantome.com. And while you're there, take a look at our curated bite-sized clips. We put together these miniature thoughts to help you reconnect in three minutes or less. We work with sponsors that care about helping people reconnect and rediscover who they are beyond their work. Check out the special treats they're giving our audience at talkhumantome.com backslash sponsors. Also, this show takes a dedicated squad. Shoutouts to designer Lala Openi for our show's artwork and to audio engineer Mauricio Escamilla for shaping our sound. Check out their companies and creations at talkhumantome.com backslash squad. Reach out to them if you need help with any design or sound project of your own. And finally, infinite love to our advisors, mentors, friends, and family. You help us stay inspired and keep this work going. Be well, be curious, practice empathy, and stay human.